Welcome to Fragmented, a software developer podcast where we talk about building good software and becoming better developers. My name's Don Felker. And I'm Kaushik Gopal. Welcome to the show. Hey, everybody. I wanted to take a quick minute before we get going to let you know about the new YouTube channel that I recently started. On this channel, I teach software developers and mobile developers, and specifically, how to become independent consultants. If you've ever wanted to become an independent consultant but weren't sure how, then this is the channel for you. I'll talk about the billing rates that you need to set, how to find clients, how to find an evergreen source of clients, how to stay on new technology trends, how to promote yourself, how to market yourself, how to get insurance, you name it. If it's around working for yourself and independent consulting and software, I'll be talking about it. Ultimately, what being an independent consultant will do for you is provide you with more financial freedom and the autonomy to work for yourself and set your own hours. This is something that appeals to a lot of people. And if it appeals to you, then please check out my YouTube channel. And you can see that at donfelker.com YouTube, or just check out the link in the show notes. Again, that's donfelker.com YouTube. That'll take you directly to the YouTube channel. Thanks for checking it out. Let's get to the show. All right, everybody, welcome back to the podcast. This week, we have something a little bit different. As you know, Kaushik and I have been changing things up. Unfortunately, Kaushik's not here again this week, but uh, we're rolling solo here. And this week, we're going to be talking kind of on a different stories here about kind of some basic startup stories, generalist development, and just kind of all kinds of interesting stuff here. And I've got an old friend here who I haven't spoke to in many years when we recently caught up, and I thought it'd be great to get him on the podcast to have him tell his various different stories, which I think everyone will find interesting. Um, so without further ado, Jason, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me on. It's uh, it's great to uh, it's great to actually have able to have our conversation with you. It's been been you know what are eight years or something like that. Yeah, definitely. We um we met. I think we met when you first well you were working on one of your startups, right? Was it AnyFoo? Is that what it was? Might have been probably. Yeah, right. Because we brought you on as our Android expert, right? Because AnyFoo was sort of a uh, a place you would go to find an expert in a very specialist category, and you were the man with Android. So, you know, we got you yeah. on. Yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, I remember, but prior to that, I found out through AnyFoo because you actually have a podcast that's been around for, what, you over a decade now, right? Yeah, it's been around for since 2009. Your journey into Uber, and I think most people probably have no idea perhaps who you are, what you are, what you've done, what you've built at Uber. And so I kind of want to dive into that a little bit because that story is very fascinating. I mean, from what I understand, you were, you know, in the first 10 at Uber. Is that is that a correct assumption? Yeah, um, I think I would probably be number seven or eight, depending on how you count. Um, so is that what Uber had happened. multiple cities or where, how big was Uber at the time? No, I mean, it was just in San Francisco and it was just a, you know, I don't know. I remember when Travis showed me the initial, like we had this very, um, He's a CEO, old CEO, right? Travis Kalanick was the, the original CEO. Um, he showed me the original God view, which is this very rough thing that somebody threw, threw together probably in a few hours. And I think I saw three cars driving around. Mm-hmm. Wow. Just three. three cars in San Francisco. I mean, that that's it. I mean, it was, it was kind of nothing and it was Uber cab, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so here's the, here's the basic story. Do you want me to start from? Yeah. It's interesting. Beginning? Yeah. Cause it's okay. uh, interesting to see how, where it goes. 
Okay, so um, I had back in the mid two thousands, I was working on a web version of PowerPoint. Um, mm-hmm. This is back before there was a Google Office and all that kind of stuff, or Google Docs. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, so that's a whole other story we can get to yeah. if you want. Um, so I, my wife has said to me, she's like, you know, you need to go and talk to people about what you're doing because this at this time there was no Y Common, there was no Hacker News, the web was still pretty much dead. Everybody was still really. It was like a nuclear winter after the whole dot com bust in 2001. Right, which is not much going on, and um, you know, I'd been madly creating this PowerPoint Ajax thing, and Ajax was like this brand. Like nobody had seen anything other than Google Maps, mm-hmm. and it seemed like magic, right? And so I started experimenting. And anyway, so um, skipping ahead, she's like, you know, you need to go talk to somebody, and I said, well, there's, I said, there's this guy with his blog called TechCrunch, and he's you know, it's been running for like a month or two. And he has like a barbecue kind of thing where like a dozen, half a dozen to a dozen people show up and just kind of do a show and tell, talk about what they're doing. And and I said, maybe, maybe I'll go up to one of those. That would be cool. And she's like, it sounds like a great idea. So I decided to do that. But that was when it went from a 12 person barbecue to a 400 person mega party. Like it just <laughs> hit this inflection point. I said, I'm, I'm going to the next one. It was literally like a month after that last small one. And I tried to sign up and it was a wiki and you couldn't, I was like refreshed trying to sign up. And it was like, you know, it was like 400 was the limit. It was just like names going, I'm just like, come on, <laughs> like 15 minutes. And I was like 378 or something. I get oh, it. Wow. And I'm like, yes, I'm in. And so I, um, I get in my you know, car, you know, it was a week later or whatever, kiss my wife, drive up. There, drive up to San Francisco. I'm in, I'm in Pasadena, you know, outside LA, so you know, right near the Rose Bowl and Caltech and everything. And so it's about a six-hour drive. Drive up there, and it's in uh, Los Altos or something. No, yeah, something like that. I don't know, really, Atherton. It's in Atherton. That's right. It's in Atherton. Uh-huh. And, and Mike Arrington, who ran the block, he had this gigantic house that he was renting. This beautiful neighborhood, and I had to park like a mile away. There were so many cars. It was. I mean, literally a mile away. It wasn't just down the block. It was so packed. And so I walk up and, and imagine the biggest frat party you'd ever seen. Like just people piling out of the windows. And the fact that like there was no space. So I get to the front door. I'm trying to get in. They look on the guest list. You have these like bouncers. They have all these cameras and people doing video trying to capture the event. I get in there and I know nobody. Mm-hmm. Not a single person. And I'm just like... Wow yeah, maybe this wasn't such a good idea. <laughs> you know, so I'm like wandering around trying to find anybody. And I had, I had given, I could had like your, one name. Could we grab your mic? It seems to be scratching. Sorry. Is that okay? It's okay. Yeah. It's better. Is that better yeah. Um, so eventually I had one person's name that somebody had given me, Chris Messina, who was later the yeah. inventor of the hashtag, you know, Chris yeah. Messina. So I, I talked, I eventually find him. I talked to him and his then girlfriend for like five minutes. And then it was like, okay, that was ran out of gas. Like they have other people to talk to. So then I'm just like, oh, this, this is really awkward. You know, you're kind of trying to walk around like you can barely get past people. And finally, I see that there's this kind of fire pit. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, and it's kind of a cool evening. And so I go stand by the fire pit. And that was perfect because you can stand by a fire pit and do nothing and not look like a moron. (laughs) Like you really look like... (laughs) You look like a real weirdo if you're in a packed party and you're just like standing there. 
people are yeah. like, what is going on with that guy, right? Mm-hmm. So I said, all right, I'll go stand by. And then what would happen is somebody would inevitably come up on rotation be like, hey, man, what are you working on? Perfect, right? Kick conversation. Tom Conrad, I think, who was one of the founders of Pandora. We get to conversation. The guys who started like Google Talk or something like that. And you know, all these interesting people right after, you know, 15-minute conversation wow. after 15-minute conversation. It was perfect. And um, eventually, this guy walks up, and he has, like, this, like, young, like, VC in tow, and his name's Travis Kalanick, and he's like, hey, man, what are you working on? You know, and I say, well, I'm working on some web, web version of PowerPoint. He's like, what? That is amazing, you know, and so he gets really kind of excited about that. He's like, man, I would hire you in a minute. Like, oh, we got to stay in touch, and I'm like, you know, okay. Yeah, and sure. so, anyway, we had stayed in contact after that. I mm-hmm. co-hosted the Bar Camp LA, which if you remember the food camps and the Bar yeah. Camp stuff back at that, the unconferences. So I, I co-hosted that with Ian Morris and Marie, uh, Kareem Mayan, if you know those names. Mm-hmm. And um, he came down, I invited him down, he came down to that, we hung out a bit. But otherwise, we would just talk on the phone, everyone's like, he'd probably be like, hey, I'm thinking about teaching myself Python, can you help me learn Python? You know, and he'd be like, ah, I'll call you back, you know, and he'd be like, hey, I got this idea, you know, I'd get these like every... Three to six months, I'd get some, like, you know, random call. And then he calls me up out of the blue, and he's like, hey, I, I got this startup I invested in. It's called UberCab. And yeah. there's a big technology play there, and I'm thinking I'm going to take over the C- as the um, CEO. Because they initially had hired a guy, Ryan Graves, who was more of a just general um, business guy. Yeah. And he's like, you know, in order to the technology play, you need someone who has some real technology chops. He's like, so he's going to be more like the president and then I'm going to come out and be the CEO. And he's like, and you're the CTO. I was like, I am? Of Uber. As he said, oh my God. Yeah. He's like, well, Uber cab, right? Uber cab, he's yeah. Like, he's like, yeah. He's like, yeah, yeah, man, we're going to we're gonna blow this thing up. He's like, you move up here. We're going to do eight hour weeks. It's like, you know, I'm like. Screw that, man. Like, eight-hour <laughs> weeks. I mean, I have a wife, three kids. I've done the eight-hour thing, you know. By that time, I'm, you know, I'm 40. Mm-hmm. So I'd kind of done it. I'm like, I'm not doing the 80-hour weeks, especially for some someone else's startup, in a, you know, a cab company, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we don't know. It's, co- it's, I mean, a couple of cars at that point. It's, not, it's unproven. It's brand new. No one even knows what it is, really. It's a cab company. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... Oh yeah, I want to have Jason Roberts on my tombstone. Yeah, Jason Roberts, he worked on a cab. He spent his life working on a cab company. I'm mean, like, who wants to? I mean, I I was working on one of the things I had been doing was like machine learning stuff with high frequency trading. I mean, that so that was cool. Yeah. Like you could tell people about it. People were like, wow, that's really like, oh, I I, did, I work for this cab company. I mean, it just seemed really really lame. And I one thing I had learned with startups is like you better work on something you really believe in because if it doesn't work out monetarily you're going to look back and be really embarrassed if you spent, you know, on something you thought was kind of dumb or something. Right. No, that's a good point. Yeah. I think people need to have that interest if they're going to be putting that much of their life into it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, and I, I had already been working, I think on app ignite at the time, which is my sort of like no code, you know, um, it was, it was bubble before there was a bubble or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was really excited about that. And, I'm going to give that away and go and go in on, I wasn't going to be like a 50, 50 partner with him or something. Right. I was mm-hmm. going to get like, you know, what, what he ever said, Oh, he's like, you know, low single digits in equity. 
and what do you have, think like, three that turned out to be or if if you i mean i have no idea what the numbers are but let's just say you did take that and you did have single digits equity what would it have turned out to be was that billions you think yeah it would have ended in a b <laughs> oh, <geez>. <laughs> <laughs> oh man oh yeah oh yeah i would have been a big big big, big number <laughs> big number so i was like well you know, and, and so here's the thing. But but the thing was, is he was going to, I said, well, what's, because I, I asked, I said, what's the deal? He's like, well, you know, probably low single digits equity. Um, I'm imagining that would be three or 4%, 5%, probably in the two, in the two to five range, yeah. probably mm-hmm. in the range, I'm guessing. Um, and I think it was a base salary of like 250. Okay. And now I had been scrounging as a freelancer and doing startups for years so I remember walking into the bedroom after getting off the phone with Travis and talking to Sandy about it. And she's like, 250? And I was like, I was like, yeah, but we'd have to move up there to San Francisco. And my wife had just been elected to be the president of the Pasadena Junior League, which is, was kind of a big deal for her. And I didn't want to take that away from her. And I, I didn't want to be the kind of dad who flies out Monday morning and comes back Thursday night. Yeah. do that and miss my say well i made a lot of money but you know i miss my kids growing up like i didn't want that to be my story mm-hmm. so i came in there and i said and i said well, i kind of told her about it and she's like 250 work it out <laughs> work it out work it out and um the problem was i mean that was a very enticing number i think i had been making a third of that or something or less that's like 12 10 12 years ago right right around that area probably right yeah, so yeah, that would have been a re- that would have really been nice. That would have been really nice. It made our lives a lot easier because we were we were scraping, and um, then. But the thing is, Travis is like after I got when I initially got a phone with him, he's like, "I'm flying down next weekend to convince you," and wow. I was like, "Oh shit," you know. So and Sandy's like, "Work it out." And I was, I was just like, you know, I'm going to get golden handcuffs here. I'm going to get into, I'm going to work for this cab company. I'm going to get paid a big fat salary. I'm going to be flying. I'm going to spend all my time flying back and forth to San Francisco. Which and you're in LA. A lot of stress. Right? I'm in LA. So, I mean, it's a, not a long flight, but it's still a pain in the butt. And I don't want to be missing my kids four days a week. And of course, yeah. And so I sent him an email and I said, Hey, uh, Travis, I, really appreciate the offer, but I, you know, I just can't do it. I, you know, we're, you know, whatever. I, I mean, it was a pretty short email. And he was like, okay. And I said, but I know you guys need a lot of help with the, cause he, he had said they had a lot of problem with the architecture mm-hmm. and the, and the algorithms. And I had a background in high frequency trading. So I was building these scalable, very uh, high frequency, um, real time systems. Right. Yeah. So I knew, I knew firm out about efficient algorithms and I had built this web PowerPoint, you know, about web and stuff. So he was like, okay, this guy's kind of like generalist, but he also knows how to make stuff really, really fast and, um, and scalable. So he was like, so I said, I'll, I'll be happy to do some consulting for, work for you though. Okay. And he was just like, okay. And then it was like a month. Oh, but the funny thing was, we were so broke. I had to ask him for a $2,000 advance so we could buy. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. But, so we were so broke, I had to ask him for a $2,000 advance so that we could buy Christmas presents for our kids. I remember that you talked about that on the podcast. I totally forgot about that. He was I remember like, exactly where I was at when I heard that. That's weird. Yeah. It still makes Sandy cry. You know, mm-hmm. um, he's like, yeah, sure. You know, $2,000, you know, whatever. Um, so. Um, 
that's that's how it all happened. Now, then what the, the situation was, so Uber, I think, had formed like at the in like April or something, January, April of 2010. This is December of 2010. Yeah. And um, they had, my understanding is they had outsourced the, the initial development work to um, a, a consulting firm out of Mexico. I think Garrett had some firm that he'd worked for in the past and he said they, they're inexpensive and they do good work. And you know, initially when they were building this, it was, they weren't actually, the initial idea wasn't Uber cab. It was just three or four of these guys were going to get together Got, these guys had all made had an exit, they all had some money, but they were going to share kind of like a um, timeshare with a black car and a driver. Mm-hmm. Their whole thing was how to be baller in San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, because you can never get a cab in San Francisco. And so that was their idea. And I, the, the way I heard it is that Garrett Camp called Travis and he's like, I'm at the garage. I'm just about to sign, you know, the the contract where we're going to park the car, you know, that kind of thing. And, and, and Travis is like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I got a bigger idea. What if anybody could, rather than just us could share the car, we could share with anybody. And he, they, cause they were already building an app, which would allow you to request the car. And if it wasn't driving, if it wasn't driving Garrett around or whether buddies and Travis could get it or something like that. Yeah. Cause it was shared between a few people. Yeah. Which is why they, it's like, why aren't they going to spend a lot of money building this little simple app? So they just, you know, ship it to this consulting firm in Mexico or wherever, and, mm-hmm. and they, that's what they did. Um, now, some of those details could be off because, again, that was before my time, but that's what, that's what I had heard about the story. But now, I felt like you, I read, I'm sorry. That's what I mean. When you joined, though, you inherited that code, though, didn't you? Yeah. So with Travis, so they were having a lot of problems with like no dispatches and double dispatches. So someone you'd request a car and the car never show up or you'd request a car and two cars would show up. And there were a lot of problems, what even with a small number of cars. Do you know? PHP. So PHP. the first version of Uber was written in PHP. Interesting. Yeah. So I'm planning on writing a blog post about this because um, I think it'd be kind of fun to read about. But it was uh, it was about a 2,000 line PHP file called CallFlow. Wow. And there was one other, like, um, I think the one other sm- uh, smaller script, like a cron script, but that was basically it. And it, it was 2,000 lines of the worst spaghetti <laughs> code you'd ever seen in your life. And I've seen some bad stuff. It was, out of 1 to 10, it was definitely a 1. Really? I've seen a 0 before. I've seen a 0, but that was, that was a 1. It was pretty, pretty close, though. <laughs> It was like, so I remember, so Travis was like, Hey, um, I'm renting a ha- for the, for the holidays for the, I'm, I'm renting a house down in Marina Del Rey, which is yeah. down by the uh, beach in, in, um, in, uh, in Los Angeles. He's like, why don't you come, I want you to come down and give me the architecture. He's like, I want like boxes and arrows and stuff. I'm like, all right, boxes and arrows. You got it. Right. Yeah, <laughs> and sure. So, and so I walk in, I start knock on the door and this French guy answers. And I'm like, I'm like, hey, is uh, Travis here? And he's like, yeah, he's at Staples. And I'm like, okay. So I come in, and this, this, uh, he's kind of quiet, and we're kind of barely talking. And he's, you know, a typical kind of nerdy developer, and he doesn't know who I am or why I'm there, and I didn't really yeah. expect. So we're just sitting there, and then Travis comes in, and he has this like three by four foot whiteboard. And oh, he's got a really good one there. Yeah, like any, any takes a plastic up and he sticks it on a chair and he's like, all right, give me the architecture. Wow. Okay. That's kind of cool though. 
Yeah, and the um, and the guy who's with him, Curtis, who became the VP of engineering, um, and was sort of his. It was sort of his go-to guy in some of his previous projects. I think he had done a lot of work at Expensify and had done a lot of the work on Red Swoosh, which is the company that that Travis sold to Akamai. Mm-hmm. And um, so Curtis is, you know, he's a, just a, a really nice guy and really, really good developer. And so he's standing with him. I, of course, I didn't know he was. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, um, well, first of all, I think we should build this in Node.js. Okay. And there's this brief pause. And then he's this like, is like when like Node 0.4 was out, right? Like really. He's, really like, well, he's like, what the fuck is Node.js? <laughs> 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 he was expecting me to say C or I don't know, Java or whatever or something, right? It's like super early. And I'm like, so if you recall, um, we had done an interview probably not long before that with. Amir Salenhefendek, who went on to start Todoist, okay. and uh, he's very successful. And in the interview, he had talked about using Node.js for a real-time social network called Plurk that was big in Japan. Okay. And I can't remember the numbers he said, but you know they had like you know two hundred thousand concurrent users or something, something big. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. And I had seen that same demo from ryan Dahl, where he introduced it the node at a meetup or something and i mean it was like one of those things that shows up on hacker news it's this weird new tech you look at it you're like okay whatever that looks kind of cool and i don't think much about it till the interview with amir mm-hmm. and then i'm like and i'm thinking okay so like this thing is real time so what's happening is you have cars and, and clients every four seconds sending a request to the server every four um, seconds wow. every four seconds i think was the number and it was just sort of these XML messages, basically like, here I am, here's my latitude, longitude, this is my status. If you're a driver, I'm open, I'm off duty, I'm on a trip. And the client and the, you know, the client could be, I'm looking, I'm requesting a trip, you know. So it's just, so they would come in and then and then the, 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 the call flow script would kind of go and would hit the database and be like, okay, this drive client it would it was it was hitting the database every time, right? Mm-hmm. And so what it happening is once they got to a certain number of users, it's just like it started just grinding the d- database. Yeah. Right. And I was like, okay, like it totally makes sense when you have like four or five people sharing a car, right? Yep. It does not make sense once you get to hundreds and or thousands of people at all. And um, so I'm not I don't mean to throw the original developers under the bus. They will probably just say, Hey, can you give us a little thing, a little st- you know, mobile app that does yeah. this thing and we, we, our budget's $4,000 or whatever. They what know. they needed. I mean, that is what it is. Yeah. I, we've all done it, man. Like, whatever. Like, hey, you want something in a three weeks or six weeks? And okay. You, you know, and so, so then I look at this script, you know, and I think, oh, and, and I initially seen a copy before I did the architecture. I'd seen a, I, they'd sent me a uh, the call flow script and the other two or three. And, I initially looked at this thing. And I was just like, "Ooh!" Like it was like if else if f switch switch if else for loop lift up. You're just like, I've no idea what's going on. Just mess. Like, this yeah. is, it is just like, oh, you know, come on. And but I had them send me some logs. So every every outgoing incoming message got written to a log file. Okay. And one thing about the lo- the messages is that one thing was consistent as they were all completely different. Some of it was elements, some of it was attributes. We just, it was like. It's a smattering of everything. 
there was no schema. There was no schema. It was like, I, don't know, I guess they're just, and it was, it was XML. So it was, it was really hard to read. And then it was just a consistent, it was just, a, it was, it was, again, it was just prototype. You know, it was just a prototype someone threw together just to get something barely working. And, and amazingly, it started to work. Um, and then you have, um, he had hired this guy, Conrad, and the guy, um, Ryan. And Conrad was sort of in charge of keeping this thing alive. And he's just like doing everything he can to keep this thing running and burning out the database server and stuff. And um, I remember looking at this and thinking, okay, so we want like a persistent process running. So like my background in high-frequency trading, it's like, okay, you subscribe to 100 or 500 different stocks yep. that are just trading. And they could get like 20 updates a second or more, right? Mm -hmm. A lot more these days, but back then that was a lot. So you're thousands of updates coming in of, of quotes, the bid ask quote and trades and all stuff. So you're certainly not like sticking stuff in the database and loading it back up. Yeah. Like that would be stupid, right? So you have like C or Java or whatever. And it's a continually running process, it has SOC connections. You just update objects, right? Like this is the this stock object and the, here's the this is the new bid ask and this is the you know whatever, and you make decisions and do stuff. And I said, okay, that's essentially what we want to do. We want a persistent process running. But, um, but I was like, you know, I don't want to do C++. That's just la asking for trouble. Because you want something to... Yeah. And... <laughs> Your reaction. <laughs> I don't know. I'd done C... I'd done five years. I, I, that was my initial language as a professional with C++. So it wasn't five years, but doing multi-threaded socket-based stuff with C++ is just... Um, and it, plus, we didn't need that level of scale, right? It's not that they had like a million cars. Yeah. Right. And like 20 cars or 15 cars and they might get a couple hundred at some point, you know, it's like, okay. And I was like, you know, and I'm not really a Java guy. And back then it was all like, remember the, the enterprise Java beans got like really overdone, over-engineered. Back then it was huge. And nobody wanted, it gets a part of the point it was so over-engineered you couldn't even, you, it was like impossible to even use Java. And so I was like, I don't want any part of that nonsense. So I, that's when I thought of the Node.js stuff, and I said, okay, that could be the perfect combination because you have this persistent running process with Node as opposed to a script like PHP or Python or Ruby that just gets called upon a web request. Yeah. And, um, and I said, it's just easy and fast to write and much easier to find people who can write that stuff. So that's why I said we should build a Node.js. And, you know, after Travis's what the fuck, Curtis was like, oh, yeah. He's like... He's like, yeah, I love JavaScript. And he had built like the, a lot of the real-time distributed stuff for um, Red Swoosh. So he had done a lot of networking, massively distributed stuff. So he was no, yeah. uh, he, was a, he was not a rookie. And he immediately said, huh. And um, I remember, so I, we started working on it. So it was like, there was like half a dozen people at this house, or maybe less, maybe five or you know, something like that. And um, I tell, first thing I say to Curtis, I said, all right, I don't think we should like just rebuild the PHP script. I think we should go through a series of refactorings. We don't want to fall victim to the second system syndrome. Are you yeah. familiar with that term? The Polsky thing, right? Yeah. Maybe. So it's like, you know, the, you've ever heard of Netscape 5.0, right? Yeah. But a good background for the folks that are probably not familiar. Yeah. So, so Netscape 4.0 was very popular and um, that's when right in the middle with browser words and stuff and, whatever the engineering team, whoever it was at the time, they were, they made an argument to management. It's like, we have to rewrite this stuff. It's all spaghetti code. Yeah. And so they tried to rewrite it, I think from C and a C plus plus. And of course it never saw the light of day. Yeah. Um, Just a typical yeah. rewrite problem right there. Yeah. So you rewrite something from scratch. Or... So I'm, I'm thinking I'm being really 
you know, pragmatic. Oh, we're not going to rewrite. We're just going to kind of refactor and refactor and refactor this and revolve it into something. And so I went back into another room and I'm working on this and I come to, and Curtis is like, okay, well, you're doing that. I'm going to try and like do some forensic analysis on these database tables because the database tables were a mess as well. And just mm -hmm. like everything else. And I come back to an hour later. I'm like, forget everything. I just, <laughs> this is a total rewrite. I have no idea what this is doing. This is too much and, it's just, it was like a Rube Goldberg machine. Yeah. And there's no documentation. It just didn't make any sense. And I said, all right, I think what I think I should do is I should reverse engineer the behavior of this, the expected behavior of the system based on the, on the log of, 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 in, of messages, ingoing and outgoing messages. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I did. I started building a Node.js dispatch, dispatch server that would, you know, receive and deal with these these messages so you have your list of clients your list of drivers you know message gets from the client looking for a trip who's the closest driver you know sign it you know send out a request to the driver hey you want this trip no okay let's do the next closest one okay you want it you know okay that kind of thing did you write to a database a lot during this time or was it all more of like using the same methodologies that you had used in high frequency trading yeah so so no so at the time um, it was a MySQL database, and so what I'm trying to think now. When I built this initial version, what I did is I is I created some sort of like I can't remember if they're mocks or stubs, but just sort of fake API requests like save trip or update trip. So I would call some, you know, and then essentially and essentially would, it would theoretic in theory would update the database. Um, so I just built this thing, and but to test it's funny. Initially, I built like a like a like a little GUI representing the um, client app and a little GUI representing the the driver app and then you're like okay request trip okay go over here and accept or no reject okay get the next one and after about an half hour that i'm like this is bullshit <laughs> i'm not doing this like this is stupid and so i said all right what i'm going to do is i'm going to build a simulator where i can say okay create 10 drivers and 10 clients and they randomly show up on this latitude longitude grid and they randomly will ask for a trip and then cancel it or then they if they accept it then they want to go from here to some other part and so it's just some basic you know random logic with some randomness thrown in and it would go through all the different behaviors that it could handle and that turned out to be inadvertently like extremely useful um so i was able to build all of these apis build all the infrastructure and you could just turn the simulator and put 100 drivers 100 clients and be like go and be like you know, and you could see us doing around. And, and then, of course, eventually something would happen. There'd be some race condition or some weird situation where somebody accepted and then a trip and then cancel it and this and that. And it caught all that. And then what happened later is that the simulator was this, like, ultimate sanity check. So even if you wrote, like, some unit test and you checked your code, it's like you had to run on the simulator for, like, 20 minutes to make sure that everything was cool. Because it just was different variations and you know cancellations and like you said race conditions it would run through everything exactly and it was basically because i was too lazy to manually test it but it turned out to be extremely useful for years i remember so amos who was the uh he was like a young junior definitely like two years out of college maybe and he kind of started to help you know when i initially went up to uber i hadn't been up there for so this is like so we go for like call it november 2011 so almost a year so is, it, well, is, actually, this, let me, is that is the thing you created? Is that also was that part of the the you know the higher end like Godview thing or no? 
which we'll get to. Uh, no, Godview was also something I built during that time. But so I should I should back up a little bit though first. Um, because that's so, an interesting because it was all over the news and everything. So yeah, okay. So I'll get to Godview in a second. But the um, so I'm building this starting in like December January. Yeah, and uh, I've been, I have like three other clients. Oh, like man. I'm building Uber's real time system and it's just one of three or four clients and Sandy would rather come in every, as she would do like once a week. So are you finished with that? Cause we need to send it invoice cause we got to pay our mortgage. Right. Yeah. And so I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah I got to get back on Uber. Right. I got to I got to Cause you know, it is when you're a freelancer, you always have two or three projects and no matter what you're doing, you're always behind on one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got multiple- before you send the invoice, yeah. Before you send the invoice, you got to make sure it works. I mean, you got to make sure you've done your stuff. So, um, so I'm building this with these other projects. Finally, we launch it. I send the code up to, or we commit the code, and Curtis kind of does his thing. We kind of merge it with his connection node stuff, which was sort of a distributed, horizontally distributed thing that would send, it would take in connections and sort of, if it needed to buffer them before going into the actual Dispark server, it would. And we turn this thing on, and it was so fast that people thought it was broken. Like it was like zero percent CPU. <laughs> oh really? Wow. Like you couldn't even tell it was working, or 0.1 percent or something. It was like so small, and it was so fast because typical the, the drivers and the clients would typically there's a lot of dela- lag. You know there was a floor and you'd have to wait, and so it would like you'd request trip and it's like immediately you're like whoa whoa some something's not working. That's right? too fast. <laughs> it was too, like something broken. You know it was it was so. And it was just because of Node, right? You're not hitting the database. And of course, we would asynchronously fire off, you know, you know, update database methods, but it wasn't like the synchronous PHP type of thing. Mm-hmm. So that was really amazing. That worked great. And um, so I had to try. So I was funny because when we they, they launched it, when my wife and I went to a wedding in Europe, so we were gone for like two weeks and it was all on Curtis to kind of like do all the air handling and get it, bring it to life, which he did. But um, I had never been up to San Francisco, right? Even at that point, you hadn't. Wow. Okay. Curtis would fly down about once every three to four weeks and hang out with me for like four or five days. And we would kind of brainstorm and come up with ideas because he's writing the connection node stuff. And we just making this crap up. So you guys are, you, know. you and him are writing this whole, the entire early Uber dispatch system, you and him just hacking away in your, in your little office. That's right. My little uh, my little condo office in Pasadena wow. was it was not in this like co working space in San Francisco. San Francisco with a bunch of twenty something engineers. It's like you know middle aged guy and you know <laughs> guy for just making this stuff up, going to lunch at Pollo Loco every day, and you know. So um, I remember talking, calling him one time, and I'm like. Hey, what's, uh, you know, just, Hey, what's up? He's like, Oh, I'll, I'll have to call you back later. I got an interview. I'm like, interview for what? He's like, Oh, for developers. I'm like, what do you mean? I was like, he's like, we got to hire developers. Well, we got this. What are you talking about? Like, we don't need other developers. <laughs> Look at the CPU <laughs> usage. We're good. Look at this, man. I mean, did I like do this four other, three other projects? I mean, what are you even talking about? You know? And he's like, he just laughed. He's like, no, Travis wants X number of developers by the end of the year. And I'm like, I had never thought about it that way like i want x number of developers which is interesting because i mean i'm kind of jumping ahead here but uh, i know you were uber for multiple years but towards the end of your time there you would go and 
you had told me that you would go into the office and and walk floors of engineers and be like, I don't, I don't know anybody here. There's so many people. And and it happened to be that you were one of the first there to develop the reason why all those people are there is just amazing. Yeah. What well, was um yeah, and we're, you know, um, so you're, you're you're referring to a, spe- a particular or a specific in- instance in like April. I think it was April 2016 was my last trip up there. I had, I'd already decided that was gonna, you know, peel off because all my options had vested. That's a whole other story. And yeah. um, it was you impossible. Full time this whole time. You're still consulting, so I want people to remember that, right? You're still consulting. I was consulting. Yeah, I was consulting. But you had a weird option agreement, which we can get to another time. Yeah, but the but later at the end of the at that when I left or when I was left, there was like a thousand developers and I I didn't know anybody. I, I walked for three floors for an hour. I didn't run into a single person I knew. I was like, wow, this is this is. I said this is clearly the time to go. But um, so going back to 2011, I flew when I was gonna fly up there. They're all like, oh, you gotta come up, man. You gotta meet the team. And I'm like, there's a team. They're like, there's a team. <laughs> what? <laughs> Who, who's, what team, what are you talking about? You know, and they're like, yeah, yeah. You know, I'd be talking to Curtis on Skype or something and Travis goes, yeah, man, what's up, what's up? You got to come up. And I'm like, all right. And so I figured, well, and Sandy's like, you really should go up there. You know, you should go up there and yeah. see what's going on. I'm like, because I'm, I'm happy just to sit in my hobbit hole and, you know, do my thing. And she's always like, you need to get out and yeah. talk to human beings. So I, um, so she's like, well, if you're going to go up there, you're going to need an iPhone because you can't use your flip phone to get an Uber. Because <laughs> I still had a flip phone. In 2011? That's funny. Clamshell. Yeah. She's just like, so she's like, don't worry. I'll go buy it and I'll figure out how it works for you. <laughs> That's funny. So she gets me the iPhone and I finally, like the day before I go up there and then I, I go up there and install the Uber app. And I remember I get to the SFO, San Francisco Airport. I get there, and I'm like, "How the hell does this thing work?" Because <laughs> I never actually used the app. Been working on the backlog dispatch for so long. Yeah, and I so I call up Curtis. I'm like, Curtis, what is this like flag thing? What is this pin? What? what how do I? And he, you hear him, and he kind of repeats it, and you hear these people laughing in the background. You know, I was like, oh, "Jason, that's not how you do <laughs> this." Is oh, that's the app. So funny. So. Um, yeah, I came, so I, you know, I, I came up there and um, that was around the time early on and we don't have to go with that into it, but, uh, you know, Travis, uh, you know, he said, hey, listen, um, I, you know, you built a lot of great stuff, um, you know, you deserve some equity. I'm yeah. Like, great, thanks. I mean, because I, I thought I'd missed that. Like I had, you know, Curtis would come down and be like, oh, we just got a round of funding from Benchmark. We raised... $10 million. And I'm just like, Oh, Oh, that I miss. I missed this. Didn't I, you know, cause initially he'd say, Oh, we have like a hundred users or a thousand users. And I'm like, wow, people are codes working. People are using it, using it. And then I'd hear the money that was coming in. And I was just like, Oh my God, Damn I it. really, really, really miss this. But I could have jumped on then. I could have say, Travis, for what I said back in December, I'm in. Right. Yeah. But I was too stubborn. I was too stubborn. And, um, Eventually, I think Travis, I think one, he probably wanted to lock me in full time, you know, because I had built a lot of the core stuff. He's like, hey, you probably want this guy around for a while, you know. Yeah. Um, and two, he's, I think he's, you know, he said, good guy. I think Travis gets a little bit of a bad rap sometimes in the press, but I think he was like, hey, you deserve some equity. I mean, you know, this would be pretty, yeah. you know, and uh, pretty bad if you didn't. And so, um, 
he comes back and he gives me uh, a, an option grant. Okay. And it's and I think the total value I think it was like seven thousand options for like a two dollar strike or something fourteen thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. And it was like a four year vest. You're like for fourteen thousand dollars. Oh gosh. I'm not sticking around here for four years for fourteen thousand dollars, right? I mean. Yeah. Right. I mean, come on. You know, I mean, I'm like, it was, it was nice though. But it was like, it was like if somebody come to me and say, Hey, Jason, Hey, I'm not going to use this. Here's a hundred dollar Amazon gift card. And you're like, thanks. Yeah. And then you put it in your wallet and you forget about it because that's mm-hmm. what you do. And, and then to you remember to do it, you get it. And then it's expired or whatever. And so I, you know, I was like, okay, I, you know, I'll probably stick around here for uh, probably on and off consulting for uh, six months or a year or something. So a little bit of it will vest and yeah, that'll be it. But it was around, uh, I think maybe 2012 or 13. And I was like, I turn, I'm going to turn to Sandy. I go, have you seen that option grant? Cause things and are going like, no. to Uber at that point. Right. I'm like, Oh my God. And you know, because I would fly, and one of the part of the agreement was that I would fly up there once a month or once every three weeks. And so I'm seeing this thing like a stop motion would just like boom, boom, like double in size every month. It was crazy, right? Yeah. And I'm seeing this thing go. We're in, you know, we're in San Francisco. Now we're in Boston and Seattle. And now we're in New York and London and LA. And you're just like, holy crap. And so I'm like, so I asked her if she'd seen it because I couldn't find my option grant. Oh. Like, I said, put it on my desk with my pile of papers. You know how that is, and then it gets thrown away or something. Yep. And so I'm like, isn't that, isn't that perfect? Like, I lost my option grant. I know, I, I was like, I know what's going to happen. I'm going to call them up, and they're going to be like, yeah, we don't have a record of that. You know, that's kind of up to you to keep track of. You know, like, you just expect yeah, that. Kind of you just know that's going to happen. So I, I call up Jesse, who was then the uh, manager. He was like the director of finance or finance manager or something. I'm like, hey, Jesse, um, do you have a copy of my cons- copy of my consulting agreement? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. And I go, and my option grant? He's like, oh, yeah, I'm sure I do. Yeah. So I was like, oh, thank God. You know, so <laughs> luckily I was like, whew. You know, so that $14,000 obviously became worth quite a bit more. I was like, oh, oh this we might be able to send our kids to college with this money. Like, this could be real, you know. And, yeah. um, you know, and it turned out to be even better than that. But, I mean – Again, compared to the what if I had taken a CTO position, it was it was it was nothing, you know. Yeah. Not even a rounding error. So, um, but you know, that's amazing. Amazing that oh, the CTO thing, and that I'm glad you were able to get that that stock option grant thing back during <laughs> because otherwise that would have been like a, just a really sad ending of the story. Oh, so sad. I know it was so sad. Yeah. When? But um, oh, you you asked about Godview. Did you? Yeah, that's about that? interesting. Um, so what is what was Godview? I mean, it did show up in the news for a while because a lot of people were freaking out about it that everyone knew where all the cars were at. But back then, when you guys built Godview, that was never the intention. And kind of want to see if you could give a little rundown of that. Yeah. So, I mean, right, pretty early on, I started working on Godview as well as Dispatch. I mean, you got to remember that there's like there was like Jordan and Godview is just a way of look. You could look at a city. And at the time, when we first started, it was only San Francisco, and you could see the cars driving around where they were, and you could see um, clients were like, I were like little eyeballs looking, and then you could see, oh, this is cl- this client is on a trip, and they're driving around, so you could kind of see a real time snapshot of what the heck was going on. Yeah. So, 
so really it was like it was like a debugging tool and was a, it was a tool for operations to see what's going on so if if like someone if a client comes up and says uh, i my uber was supposed to be here 10 minutes ago it's still not here like they could say oh he's three blocks away or you could see what's going on right yeah you could see a list of names of the clients and drivers on the side i i kind of built it i i, I kind of um stole the look and feel of like google i mean yeah google maps and mm-hmm. you know you have that kind of slide out and you can see like restaurants and stuff i kind of yeah. use their design as, as a template for what i did and it was cool you know you'd have you know once later you'd have so many cars it looked like flies on a carcass like you couldn't even see the city it was just all cars everywhere. wow that's amazing just you know and, and you know and it was it was it was neat and then you could see you could select only show me cars that are on trips or that are on duty or whatever and and you could, and it would have their names next to it, so you could see like, okay, so this guy's driving here. I can see what the problem is. You know. Okay. I mean, imagine, imagine if you, um, you know, you order something from Amazon and they have no idea where your order is because they don't look at orders. Like it's, I don't know, like uh, somebody no, has to, somebody has to look at to be able to track this stuff, right? Like yeah. it's in the database. It's in so our stuff is not only in the database, but it's in the real time system, and so it was built as a just to stay on top of things is where operations people could solve problems for the drivers and the clients. Right. And, so you built um, that and you had to maintain it though, right. For a long time. Right. Yeah. I want to say probably and through like mid 2013, 2014 kind of range. So, it, so at that point, did you just stop working on it or what happened after that to it or did it morph into something else? Yeah. So it was like, I went on my monthly trip up and this is when we had we had moved over this is like our third office since i had been there we were in the yelp office yelp's old office and the real-time team had expanded to like probably 30 30 people at that point just the real-time people so this is just the stuff that i built right was now like you know uh i just expanded out and um and i come up and i look and i see this kind of thing it looks like god view but it's like way slicker i'm like whoa what's that? And nobody is, says anything. All these like <laughs> coder was just like quietly coding. And I'm like, well, I'm like what's up? I'm like, wait, what's Don't this? <laughs> I was like, and someone goes, finally someone goes, yeah. So we, uh, we built a new version of Godview, and it was like a team of seven of us. And we worked on it for the last couple of months. Nobody really knew how to break the news to you. I'm like, I don't care. It looks awesome. <laughs> you know I mean? Like, I, don't I, know I was like, <laughs> Yeah, I don't have I don't have to babysit this thing anymore. It was like my buddy Phil always says, like, yeah, don't don't write never write code that you don't want to maintain for the rest of your life. It's true. <laughs> I think in a previous conversation we we talked about like how that was built with all kinds of you know bells and whistles and different technologies and stuff like that, and and yours was a much more simpler thing, and it would kind of beckon to the discussion that we got into at the time, which was kind of like generalist software development versus specialized software development. And I was wondering how you felt about that. Is, is, are you more of a generalist or specialist? And, you know, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I, I think you and I are similar in that way is that I'm, I'm a definitely generalist. I'm not yeah. great at any one thing. Um, I could do a lot of things passably well from UI, you know, stuff to database to everything in between. And I'm more like about this, like, let's get something working. I mean, let's write clean code. Let's use the right tools for the job and stuff. But it's more like, okay, we have like two weeks or two months or whatever it is. Let's get something up, right? And I always just refer myself as special forces. Like, okay, you get like a small team 
of like highly trained of people who are highly trained or at least trained across a variety of specialties and they can do all kinds of things. You drop them and they can do a lot of damage just yeah. like five or six or 10 of them or whatever it is. Um, regular army, you have these people who really just do one thing and that's what they're trained. They do it well. And that's what scales, right? You mm-hmm. get these people who are amazing front end developers or amazing UI designers or UX people or amazing node people or whatever. And yeah. Um, that's just a different type of person. And, and those are the kind of people who tend to be more comfortable and more successful at larger, larger companies or larger startups, because like I, I can slot in here and I can do my magic and I can really make this, this thing well. But if someone says, yeah. Hey, I'm a guy who called me, hey, Jason, like we need like a whole new dispatcher. Can you build that? And, uh, yeah, oh, well, here's a God view. And could you, you know, could you build a God view for us? And I'm like, all right, this, sure, just get it done. Yeah, we'll get it done and ship it. And I think that's the thing you said is like you get in there, you're able to ship it. And being a generalist, that gives you that ability because you have that experience with databases. And I'm not that you know, no one's going to hire me to to optimize a Postgres database. That's not my thing. But I can get in there and I know exactly how to build one and set it up and use it. But I may not be the person to talk to about optimizing a trigger. Like, I don't know. I'll have to dig into that for a while. Well, and, and, and see, when you're starting out, you really need to be able to have all of these different skills available so you can connect them all up and say, okay, this is how I want everything to work. It doesn't have to be a series of meetings and memos and what you just, I can just put it in my head and be like, uh, okay, this is what we're going to do, you know, yep. and get something working. And, you know, eventually stuff gets rebuilt and rebuilt again and rebuilt again. I mean, if you go look at Uber, I mean, my, the code that I had originally met, written had been rebuilt numerous times. You know, because when yeah. you go from a hundred car or 10 cars, a hundred cars to a thousand cars, to 10,000, a hundred million, you know, it's like now you're multiple cities and you have all this kind of stuff, you know, it's like just different solutions are needed, but you don't try and build that solution at first, because first of all, you can't even test it really. It's like, well, you don't need it though. We need something like now, like, I don't need something that's can run the space shuttle. I just need something that's going to work in a month and that's not a, break and do things. Goes back to the company that built the app before you were there. You know, they built the exact thing that they needed for three or four cars or three or four people. And that worked. And I think a lot of engineers suffer from that problem of just trying to optimize too early of like, well, we're going to need to make sure we can scale this way and scale that way. And um, I think some of the best advice I can get is like, no, you, you don't need that. You know, Yagony applies right there. You're, you're not going to need that right now. Don't worry about it. We'll worry about that later. And I think there's it's an arc to that problem. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Solve today's problem. I mean, you can look a little bit ahead and say, well, we're going to need to scale a little bit, but you got to be careful when you're trying to predict the future. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's uh, 37 signals. They've talked a lot about that, which is like make small decisions. Don't make big decisions. Make lots of small decisions. You have more because you have more. Dis- if you wait, you'll have more information. Um, yeah, exactly. About the problem. So, yeah, you know, I mean, I had done this in the high future trading world before, you know, where I had built like the entire platform of order servers and quote servers and trading UIs and trading it. I mean, and I had to do it all myself. Yeah. Right. So guess what? I built it in Visual Basic. That's <laughs> what so worked at the time, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I built it in VB6. It was like Visual Basic. And I'm like, dude, because I can write this at like 10 times faster than C++. Yeah. And I was a C++ developer. I can write this multi-threaded, multi-process, socket-based, blah, blah, blah. I can write the server code. I can write the, the UIs and all that stuff in visual basic and visual basic was kind of like a poor man's python mm-hmm. you could write very obvious you could do object-oriented programming and you can have even have inheritance but you could implement interfaces and you could write clean object-oriented stuff like you look at it you'd be like oh yeah it looks kind of like python a little more verbose but it's like you know pretty simple 
and it compiled down, used the C front compiler, so it compiled down this uh, to C or C++. Yeah. So it was I mean, fast, it and mm -hmm. it worked. Yeah, it I worked. think the, some of the first apps so, I wrote were in VB6 as well, so that's a little throwback there. Well, Jason, right, you, remember how, you remember how productive you were. You remember how oh, productive God. you were at that stuff, right? Yeah, there's so much stuff that we sh I shipped. I mean, very early on, at the, I one of my first jobs in tech was working for Target, which was their, you know, Target's credit card. And we wrote a bunch of apps in VB6 to automate all kinds of internal processes for their credit division. I mean, that's just right. what we had that allowed us to ship it because otherwise their internal teams that were up in Minneapolis at the time just couldn't get to it for six to 10 months. So we just learned it and shipped it. It is what it is. That's right. So. That's right. So I don't, I don't, I don't think... You know, I think a lot of people get really kind of embarrassed about using certain tools as opposed to other ones. It's like, oh, you know, real men use C++ or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And it's like, ah, you know, real coders ship. They ship yeah. stuff that works. They ship it on time. And they ship stuff that doesn't crack. And and uh, that's, that's, that's really what you want. And, you know, obviously you try and write the cleanest code you can with the tools you have. Um, but, you know, you don't, like you said, you don't, want to um, jump the gun in terms of premature optimization or premature generalization. All those things are kind of roads to um, to hell, you know. <laughs> <laughs> those are what the junior devs who do, who are like a, one or two years out, they're like, oh, I'm going to generally make this whole thing. And you're just like, oh, please don't, please don't, you know. <laughs> yeah. require a little bit, a little bit of guidance to kind of get them back on the rails. You know, it's it's I like the enthusiasm, but we have to kind of help reel them in. That's, that's kind of the key there. Exactly. Jason, there's, um, we could talk about Office G2, um, which is a product that you built, your multiple other things you've worked on, and Math Academy, uh, but we're running out of time today. I'm going to have to bring you back to talk about these other ones because I really want to pick your brain about just starting these projects, which have been things you have built yourself uh, and have grown them uh, to either point of almost acquisition or acquisition, uh, or even the things that you're working on right now with your Math Academy. So we'll have to bring you back for another episode. But before we get going, is there, um, if folks wanted to get a hold of you or see what you're working on, or if you want to talk a little bit about where you're, where you're working on, uh, how can they get in contact and, and what are you working on? So, um, well, first I just say, I just brought my Twitter account back to life. So you can come to XO Jason, EXO Jason. Um, okay. I have like 250 followers, so get in early. <laughs> <laughs> get a, a seat cover. at the table. <laughs> um, yeah, so that ha that'll have link. I'm I'm trying to post pretty regularly on the stuff I'm working on and things. It has links to the podcast and to my you know my website codesoperandi.com and and all that. Um, so my current project um, is a math academy, which is I guess what I would say is think of Duolingo but for math. Okay. You know, but where Duolingo is kind of like not super serious in terms of like it's. It tries to get you to be fluent, but it's more about gamification and, and make as much progress you can. Our system is like like really serious. Um, okay. But um, yeah, it's it's everything from fifth grade math up through you know things like differential equations and abstract algebra. So it's and it's we're going to be launching it this uh, later this summer. Um, so that's I've been working on that for years. So that's it's probably a whole lot of long discussion. But if, if that thing sounds interesting to you. Come on, come to you know, kind of my Twitter account. You can kind of keep keep abreast okay. of that. Yeah, and if you have any links or whatever, we'll add them to the show notes. We'll put the links to your social handle, your website, and stuff like that. And 
we'll have to get you back on so we can discuss some more of the stuff. So you have a lot of interesting insights that I want to dig further into. So thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. It's been, been a lot of fun. Cool. Well, and uh, folks, thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time. Hey everybody, thanks for staying on and listening to the show. Before we get going here and head on out, just want to remind you to please check out the YouTube channel. That's going to be at donfelker.com slash YouTube. You're going to learn everything you need to know about how to become an independent consultant as a mobile developer or just even a software developer in general. I'll teach you from the ground up everything you need to know and that much more. I look forward to seeing you over there. Again, that's going to be at donfelker.com slash YouTube or just check the link in the show notes. Thanks again, everyone. Have a good day. That's it for the show, folks. Fragmented is hosted by Don Felker and me, Kaushik Gopal. We edit and produce all the episodes here on Fragmented. You can find more Fragmented episodes at fragmentedpodcast.com. Thanks for listening, and we will catch you in the next episode.